chapter twelve of blackthorn farm by arthur applin this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter twelve marriage is impossible directly the judge had finished his summing up the jury rose and left the court to consider their verdict the general opinion was that they would not take much time before coming to a decision and so quite half the people remained in their places a subdued hum of conversation arose women surreptitiously powdered their faces others fanned themselves in the corridors outside barristers discussed the case guilty right enough the majority agreed a few wiseacres shook their heads they were not sure certainly rupert dale's attitude had been that of a guilty man so much so that to those who had had a wide experience of criminals he seemed innocent it's the guilty man who invariably assumes the mask of innocence to perfection it was in vain that both counsel and solicitors tried to persuade ruby strode to leave the court she was white as death and looked as if at any moment she might faint her friend iris collier sat by her side and did her best to comfort and console her but ruby seemed scarcely conscious of her surroundings feeling had almost deserted her she was possessed by just one thought she had failed to save her lover twice she had tried to save him and each time she had failed now she had been prepared to take his place in the dock to suffer for the crime she had committed and they would not believe her the fools would not believe her when she confessed she was guilty in her own mind she had proved her guilt she sat huddled up her hands clasped between her knees her eyes fixed on the door through which the jury had disappeared but ever and again she muttered to herself and those sitting near her caught fragments of what she said i alone am guilty i did it once robert despard strolled across to her side and the solicitors made way for him he made a few conventional remarks in the usual strain ruby took no notice but suddenly he said something which caused her to sit upright and look at him with flaming eyes eyes in which contempt and hatred shone you could have saved him she hissed under her breath i believe you know i am guilty you came into his room that afternoon and you saw the check in my hand i felt then for the moment that you had some suspicion despard smiled and laid his hand on hers i never suspected you i never could she snatched her hand away i believe you want him to go to prison because she faltered and for a moment her white cheeks grew scarlet despard knew what she was going to say and he could not resist being brutal because i loved you he shrugged his shoulders yes i was very fond of you once ruby but you rejected and snubbed me remember that's all over now and i've found someone who will be kinder than you were no i shouldn't have much cared if you had gone to prison he lowered his voice though on the whole it will suit my book better if rupert is found guilty as a matter of fact i suppose you're both in the same boat and if justice were done both of you would suffer and you called yourself his friend she cried if rupert goes to prison i swear you shall pay for i know if you had chosen to speak you could have saved him and helped to prove the truth of my confession despard rose and picking up his velour hat brushed it carelessly 
i shouldn't get so excited if you raise your voice like that you'll be turned out of court he bowed mockingly in case we don't meet again miss strode good-bye we shall meet again one day she said between her teeth then her head sank forward she clasped her hands together again between her knees and resumed her former attitude half an hour passed three quarters the tension became unbearable she heard a man laugh in the corridor behind her a couple of barristers were telling a funny story under their breath in the gallery a woman dropped her fan and as she happened to be good-looking there was quite a little commotion to recover it and her lover's honour his freedom his very life lay in the balance she swept the court fearlessly with her eyes half of these people had come out of curiosity as they would go to the theatre not one of them cared she knew what it was to hate for she hated them now heartless and selfish an hour passed a minute later there was a sudden commotion people began to flock into the court the door on which ruby's eyes had been fixed opened and the jury slowly returned to their places the usher shouted for order and the judge resumed his seat silence came a pin could have been heard falling then the judge leaned slightly forward towards the foreman of the jury the little formalities that took place now seemed needlessly cruel ruby scarcely heard what was said she was waiting for one of two words guilty or not guilty it seemed a long pause before the foreman answered the final question addressed to him by the judge the answer was what everyone expected we find the prisoner guilty my lord ruby strode staggered to her feet but the solicitors who had been watching her seized her arm and dragged her down the judge passed sentence five years penal servitude the silence was broken and straightway the judge rose a few people were surprised at the severity others said that dale thoroughly deserved it for the public the excitement was over the show was finished and in the hurry to get outside into the fresh air no one noticed ruby strode she had risen to her feet and stretched out her arms imploringly to the retreating figure of the judge my lord i did it i swear to god i did it then she swayed lost consciousness would have fallen had not mr marshall stepped forward and caught her poor girl he whispered as with the assistance of one of the ushers he carried her off to another room poor girl how she must have loved him by gad they say women haven't as much pluck as men the result was brought to john dale in charing cross hospital by mr redway the kindly solicitor broke the bad news as best he could he knew it was no use beating about the bush or trying to deceive the old man there was nothing he could do nothing he could say to alleviate the blow he could only tell him and in a gentle pressure of the hand try to convey his deep sympathy and then leave him dale said nothing he prepared himself for the worst but the news for the moment was almost more than he could bear he covered his face so that none should see it fate could deal him no more crushing blow his son his first-born his only son he prayed that death would come and take him since there was nothing left to live for it was so sir reginald crichton a few hours later found him and obtained permission to sit by his side until late into the night he knew words were useless but the old man was alone in london apparently without a friend and he felt that he could not leave him alone in the great hospital 
you why are you here john dale asked at last you whom we have wronged so grievously i too am a father sir reginald replied bending over him i also have one son who is the apple of my eye this thing might have happened to him mr dale to my boy that's why i am here we have got to share this thing together then for the first time tears shone in dale's eyes and ran down his cheeks he tried to speak but the poor lips trembled and quivered your son is a gentleman he could never do anything mean sir reginald one never knows crichton replied your boy must have been sorely tempted if he did it dale raised himself in his bed and dashed the tears from his eyes he did it he cried fiercely and he must suffer for his sins it is just that he should pay the penalty i am an old man it won't be easy to hold up my head and face the world now but i'll do it i'll fight still that's right sir reginald said cheerily you still have something to fight for there's your daughter mr dale dale started and dropped back on the pillows hiding his face again his daughter marjorie sir reginald's son loved her and she loved him a great wave of hatred for his son swept over him not only had he ruined his father but he would break his sister's heart and ruin her life i shall have to leave town to-morrow sir reginald said as he took his leave but i understand you will be fit to be moved in a few days time mr despard wished to be remembered to you and said he would look in and see you to-morrow and when you're fit to travel he says he'll take you down to devonshire himself he made a proposal to me directly the trial was over which i must say does him great credit i am not at liberty to say what this thing was but i hope you will be able to accept it if not for your own then for your daughter's sake we have got to consider her now mr dale before ourselves she is young and life is still sweet to her dale shook his head nothing seems to matter now sir reginald i can't conceive what proposal mr despard has to make he is my son's friend not mine but as you justly say i must consider marjorie for her i must live and fight in spite of the shame that has fallen upon me sir reginald nodded that's right i think you will find mr despard means well and sincerely wishes to help you for rupert's sake he turned to go then stopped have you written or telegraphed to marjorie the result of the trial i mean dale shook his head she's alone if she were to hear from the lips of strangers crichton nodded i tell you what i'll do i'll wire to jim the first thing to-morrow morning and tell him to go over and break the news they're old friends and playmates it will be better than if she sees it in the newspapers or gets it from the gossips but dale started up in his bed and stretched out his hands no you mustn't do that sir reginald you mustn't do it your boy must never see my daughter again never why not sir reginald asked laying his hand on the old man's shoulder dale looked at him with haggard eyes don't you know your son is in love with marjorie he wants to make her his wife sir reginald crichton started and turned away my god he said under his breath i never suspected that you're right dale i'm afraid they must never meet again i'm sorry but it's impossible any thought of marriage utterly impossible now End of chapter twelve